Hear now our scripture reading from the first chapter of Matthew. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram and Ram the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Solomon, and Solomon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Jetekel, and Jetiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. I am sure you have a Christmas tradition that you always look forward to. For my boys, it's that they get to open one present on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas morning, we have monkey bread. And eventually, we have people over for some type of brunch What's your Christmas tradition that you always look forward to? As I reflected on this, I realized this year, it's gonna be different for most of us, isn't it? I'm actually feeling a little down as I head into this Advent season because it's just not gonna be like the ones before. Thanksgiving wasn't like the ones before. Renee was a Lutheran minister in Germany and he ran a school and a home for orphans. One year as Christmas approached, Renee could sense from the children increased anxiety and sadness. For some of them, this was their first Christmas without their parents. For others, it was just reminding them of all of those times previous when they had been with their family. Renee knew that for children and adults alike, Advent ended up becoming this thing of preparing for parties and presents 
and get-togethers and photos. He wanted to do something that would bring hope to these children, bring hope that lasts, something that would be more than just awaiting this one day. He knew that many German families had this tradition during the winter of having a wreath on their dinner table. It had candles on it to light their table, and each night a member of the family would get to turn the wreath a little bit clockwise in hopes of moving the cold and dark winter days along faster. And Rene realized he could use this tradition to create something new and special for the children, something that might be able to calm their anxiety, give them something to focus on and bring hope and light to their day. And so in 1839, the first Advent wreath was created from a wooden wheel of a cart. What Rene did is he, he made 20 places for candles on the outside and four on the inside. Each week, one of the inner candles would represent a different aspect of what Advent really offered to these children what Christmas, the birth of Jesus, actually means are these four greatest gifts. Hope, peace, joy, and love. By Christmas Eve, the wheel was complete and the light was bright. The tradition of the Advent wreath is still taking place in most German households to this day, and it might take place in some of yours. It's a way for the, the house, whether there are children or in it or not, to participate daily in this tradition of celebrating these gifts that Jesus' birth brings to us. And so friends, that is what we are going to do this Advent. I have this vision that all of us make those weeks before this very different Christmas have a special purpose unlike any other Christmas before. If you have not had a chance to come by the church to pick up your wreath, you can come later today from noon to two or just send us an email and we will get that wreath to you. Today, the first candle we light is the candle of hope. Anne Lamott she says, hope springs from that which is right in front of us, that which surprises us, and when things just seem to work. I am learning more and more each day that if I want to be able to see hope in my life, I need to look at what is happening right now in front of me and within me. And so for the next few minutes, I want us in the midst of our anxieties or our fears for the weeks to come or our disappointments for the weeks past to be reminded of the gifts that we have been given in Jesus. I want us to find the path of hope in the midst of those words that Stacy and Claire just read. The genealogy of Jesus 
If I were to ask you to write out your genealogy, what name would you put down first? Whose middle name would you forget? Who might you not want to actually put their name down because you don't like them? And so you just write their title, great, great grandmother. I felt it was important for us that we heard every single name on that list, even the ones that were super difficult to pronounce. Each of them was included for a reason by the author. And I think that that, today, that reason is to give us hope. I have told you before that my mentor, Lane Alderman, had the ABCs of hope. We have assurance for today based on concrete evidence from the past that gives us confidence and hope for the future. This list before us that we just heard Stacey and Claire read, it gives us evidence, concrete evidence to assure our hope for today. Every time I read through this list, I notice something new. I was reminded this time that we have hope today because in God's kingdom, no matter what place you get or how much favor you receive or don't receive, in God's kingdom, we are all God's children. We have hope today because we see Zerah listed here. Zerah is the twin of Perez. Their mother is Tamar, their father, Judah. You probably haven't heard of Zerah. If you look at this list closely, you see that Perez is the twin that is actually in the line of Jesus, not Zerah, but Zerah's name is included. It shouldn't have been. If you look, Jacob's twin Esau isn't listed. Zerah was the firstborn. In Genesis 38, we see the story where these twins are being born and Zerah's hand comes out of the womb first. The midwife ties a crimson cord on his hand so they would be able to identify. But then Zerah drew his hand back in and out came his brother. Zerah was first. Zerah became the leader of the tribe of the Zerahites, but none of us have ever heard of them, right? Zerah did not get to be the favored son whom the line of Jesus came through. He should have been though. He should have been first, but he was always second. Friends, this genealogy is a story of hope. It reminds us that God is not concerned with place or with favor or even with all that you are able to do. This list gives us concrete evidence to assure our hope for today. Friends, in God's kingdom, those that are betrayed, those that are disappointed, those that are used, they never lose their identity as beloved children of God. And we see this 
because Uriah is listed here. It reads, the wife of Uriah bore to David Solomon. The wife's name, Bathsheba, it's not included. It's not mentioned. Uriah was married to Bathsheba. One day, King David saw Bathsheba bathing on her rooftop and the text tells us that he desired her. And so he, his power enabled him to get whatever he wanted, even if it ruined families. And so David took Bathsheba into his bed and she became pregnant. David's desire to have Bathsheba as his own led him to put Uriah's life in danger. David tried to get Uriah to sleep with his wife so that the pregnancy could be covered up. But Uriah would not abandon his fellow soldiers because they were in the midst of war. And so he chose to sleep with his men on the battlefield instead of going to be with his wife. So David had to come up with another plan and he resorted to having Uriah killed. He ordered that he be put at the front of the battle lines and then told all the rest of the troops to retreat away so that he would have to die alone. It's horrific. Uriah was a man committed to doing right for his community. When he was asked to do something, he did it. Y'all, Uriah did not get to live as a father or husband as he had intended. Uriah was used like a pawn to protect a man in power. But his name is listed. This is a story of hope. For we see that God is not concerned with only the ones who achieve power and control of others. God is deeply concerned with those who serve, with those who grieve, and with those who give. Honestly, I could tell a story of so many of the names listed that would give us hope. And I hope that you will go today and read more about what happened to these men and women that are included in this genealogy. But for today, I believe the most important words we need to hear are in verse 12. After the exile to Babylon. In 586 BCE, the Israelites were conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar and many of them were sent away, exiled, 2,000 miles east to Babylon. For every Israelite, this was not the plan for their lives. Israel was their land. It was their visual reminder that they were God's people and that God was with them. They knew whose they were because of the land and suddenly they're not there anymore. God's plan for bringing the Messiah though into the world was not stopped. Friends, may this give us hope for today. Just like the Israelites, life has not been going as we had planned recently. The ones that we thought that God had for us it seems like they've kind of vanished. The places we thought we would be, the relationships we thought would be deeper and stronger, it's like they've just been put on pause. God's plan for each of us has not 
been stopped. After the exile, the generations beyond, God was still working out the plan to bring hope into this world. And 14 generations later, Jesus was born. I imagine that first Advent wreath. I picture Renee getting the children around the wreath and some of the tiniest ones, they're immediately touching it. And and they're wanting to hold part of it. They might've even been taking it apart. The rascal of the bunch has actually crawled into the center and is trying to pop his head through the middle. I picture the older boys and girls hesitant, kind of leaning up against the wall, looking skeptically at this thing. And then Renee says, listen, today we light the candle of hope and we have hope because God never forgets us. I imagine Renee looking at each child, God never forgets you. God never forgets you. God is always present even when we are anxious or sad or disappointed. We have hope because even when it seems like our life is not going as it should, God is still at work in each of our lives. God has given us hope because Jesus was born into a world with a lot of scary and dark things and he became the light of the world. So we light this candle in the dark to remind us that the hope is the first gift of Christmas and it never leaves us. And then I imagine at that point, one of the older girls comes forward and says, may I light it? Amen.